Campsite Media. From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Infamous, and I'm Vanessa Gregoriatis. And I'm Natalie Robomed, and you're listening to the fourth episode of our four-part series on Taylor Swift. So last episode, we left off with Taylor Swift on top of the world with her record-breaking era's tour. She had successfully slayed her apparent dragons of Kanye West, Scooter Braun, and Scott Borchetta. And now we're bringing you a little bit about what's going on in Taylor's life today. That's right. It's sort of the girl dinner of podcasts. A a little bit of this and a little bit of that with some olives on the side. (laughs) Exactly. But we're going to start with a bit of a controversial topic. So for years, since the days of the Girl Squad, some people have been opining and theorizing, not in a factual way, but in a purely speculative way, that Taylor Swift is a lesbian or at least bisexual. Right. And there's a whole world on TikTok revolving around theories about Taylor Swift's sexuality. <laughs> That's right. People who believe that Taylor is queer call themselves gaylers, while people who believe she's straight are called hetlers. Oh, my God. This, Why is that? Yeah. What's hetler? Oh, heterosexual. Het- I see. Okay. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, those fans are kind of in a never-ending battle between the gaylers and the hetlers. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it really that dramatic? No. I mean, not at all. Uh, <laughs> Actually, it's it's all just a bit of fun. <laughs> I'm normally not one to speculate on someone's sexuality, but honestly, for me, the idea that the biggest pop star in the world, who's pretty much the same age as me, might be queer mm. is really, really compelling. And part of me wishes it's it were true. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people do feel that way, although others do not. Uh, the thing about any great pop culture figure is they become a mirror for people to project their hopes and dreams onto, right? There's that whole parasocial relationship. And I mean, it's so prevalent today. So you talked with Larison Campbell. She's a great journalist and the host of a podcast we made at Campsite called Devil in the Ditch. She's also a lesbian, and she has a lot of thoughts about Taylor Swift's sexuality. I have so many thoughts. I I, I kind of don't even know where to start. To, to begin, please help me out. <laughs> okay. So, like, when did you notice that there was speculation around Taylor Swift's sexuality? So my first, my, like, sort of light bulb moment... I had never thought about Taylor Swift's sexuality. I mean, I'm 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 in my 40s. Like, you know, <laughs> you I have kids. Yeah, like I'm aware of who she is, but I don't spend I I should say I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it until about a year ago. And, and then now I, she's in your dreams. And now nightly. I dreamt about her twice this weekend in preparation for this conversation <laughs> and both times we had a conversation where I was like, it's okay for you to come out. And what did um, she say back? Well, I think she already thinks she is. <laughs> I think she thinks she's out right now. She thinks she's out. Why? What have you discerned that makes you think that? So much. You know, there's this element of if you know, you know. If you're straight, if you're a Hitler, you see this one thing and you're like, well, she's dating a guy. That's all the evidence I need. If you are gay, then you see all this other stuff. So, Mm. like, let's go back to, like, 2019. Lover is the album that she put out in 2019. When she put that album out, and now I'm going to get really into queer coding. So let's go back to when being gay was illegal, which unfortunately isn't actually that long ago. Mm, how there long were, ago was it? I mean, when I came out, it was still illegal in a lot of states. It was illegal until 2003 when the Supreme Court said you can't have anti-sodomy laws. 
gay people get to have sex. So, I mean, that was 2003. So, like, you could still be arrested for being gay before that. But even more before that, like, let's say the 1960s when gay bars weren't legal, people who were gay had colors that they used. They had code languages that they used so they could talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of coding that is sort of woven into even like the promotion and the marketing of the Lover oh, album. Interesting. Okay, so let's go to the cover of the Lover album. I mean, which is pink, actually. It's pink with... and blue and purple. Those are also the colors. And you're going to find this theme a couple more times around this time in Taylor's stuff. But those are three colors are the colors of the bisexual flag. Mm. And it is a beautiful flag because it it's is. It's a great looking flag. Purple. It's pink, purple, and blue. And those uh, are the colors that are on the cover of the Lover album nah, nah, now. Nah, nah. <laughs> okay. In some of one of her promotional Instagram posts around the time of the Lover album, she put herself on the cover in all these beaded bracelets. And those beaded bracelets said things like cats and like Benji, which is the name of one of her cats. And it said Fearless, which is one of her early albums. Yeah. And it said Lover, which is the name of the new album. And then it said proud. And do you want to know what the colors? Uh, Vanessa, I'm going to let you guess. What were the colors of <laughs> were the beads? They pink, purple, and blue? Oh, my God. <laughs> How'd you figure that out? Oh, my God. So there was like around the time that Lover came out, in the queer community, there became this belief that Taylor was going to come out. They teased that she had a big announcement to make. Right. Okay. And it was going to be on what everyone realized was Lesbian Visibility Day. And so <laughs> oh what God. happened was Taylor just tweets, but all it is is announcing that she has a song, except, and this is like the moment when I actually looked up and said, oh, I think Taylor actually did come out, or at least thinks that she did. The song title is Me, exclamation right. mark. Right, okay. So the tweet is me, exclamation mark, <laughs> out now. And then it's like, the song is out, la, la, la. But like, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, darn, she didn't come out. And I'm like, yes, she, she did. Out. She came out. <laughs> and by the way, when she performed that song, Me, on The Voice, the whole backdrop, everything, every like all the costumes were the colors of the lesbian flag. And when she's talking about making the music video for it in her documentary, Miss Americana, which I maybe did watch, she is talking to Brendan Urie, who does some background vocals on it. And she's like, in the video, this is going to be you. It's going to be everything that makes you you, you know, like emo right, kids, right, right, et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah. And then she's like, and then it's everything that makes me me, <gasps> you know, cats, dancers, gay pride, oh my cowboy God. boots. Maybe she's just trying to be I with mean, the kids. Everybody loves everything I do. I like gay people, so I should make sure that they get their due also because if I put them in my songs or put their coded flags or whatever it is, it's only to the good. Whether she is or is not gay, but her I, thinking is like, this is enough. Hmm. I mean, hmm. this is again, hmm. like I told you, I have been gayler pilled. Like, I have absolutely, I am drinking that Kool-Aid. I can't see the signs everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) You're like, we're in the Matrix. We can't get out. Is there a bisexual flag also in one of her videos? Yes. So a lot of people call it a very big moment of allyship. Is this video for her song, You Need to Calm Down? And it is, you know, maybe one of the gayest four minutes that's ever happened. Yes. And that's great. That could be allyship. Sarah Barry Ellis, for comparison wrote the song Brave for her gay friend. She's not gay. Pop artists have been allies since Madonna. 
So basically, so, she makes this, I agree, extremely gay video. Just need to take several seats and then try to restore the peace and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate. Cause shade never made anybody less gay. So. Yeah, and so just to sort of set up the video, it starts, she's in a trailer, she's looking fab. And she's looking at her phone. It bums her out. She throws her phone. It lights her trailer on fire. She walks out of her trailer and gets into a pool. And then as the shot widens out, you see that she is living in the center of a very gay trailer park. And everybody in the video, it's like the most famous gay people. You know, you've got Jesse Tyler Ferguson. You've got the Fab Five. You've got Haley Kiyoko. Like, you've got Everybody. You've got Ellen DeGeneres and Adam Lambert. All the big gays. She rounded up all the big gays. What about her relationships with these guys where it was like she was dating a different guy every two seconds? You were saying it sort of reminded you of your college relationships with guys. You're just trying. You're casting the widest net possible. You're like, that's a hot guy. Maybe that's one that I can make it work with. And then three weeks in, you're just like, ooh, gross, get him away from me. (laughs) And so then you just try another one. And I don't know. I mean, this is sort of the magic of Taylor Swift is that she, for whatever reason, projects this air of relatability to all of her fans, myself included now. And I, I look at that and I'm like, I see myself in that. Right. I absolutely see myself trying desperately to be attracted to some guy. Right. There is a possibility that this is your projection <laughs> since everybody seems to think that Taylor Swift is their BFF. Everybody, I mean, it's incredible. She has this magic, right? She just has it where you're living viscerally through her and you feel like you are her. You feel like the two of you really have something to say to each other. And she's like, I'm on my jet. Yeah. Have you listened to the Folklore album? Mm -hmm. And do you think that there are lesbian themes in there? I absolutely do. What's this Betty song? Oh, Betty's great. I mean, Betty, yeah, look, it's a song and she says it's from the point of view of a man okay, and or a guy, a teenage boy who talks about the worst thing he ever did was what he did to you, Betty. Mm. And he cheats on his girlfriend, who's like the nicest girl ever and like the best person ever, and then expects to get back together with her. And that obviously doesn't work out. And there's I think there's there's a trilogy of songs on that album that's sort of about this love triangle. And Taylor's thing is, well, I was in isolation. I was just trying to write a song from somebody else's point of view. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't like straight girl but why stuff. can't she just talk about this openly then? Like, why do you think she can't do that? Don't we live in a time where that would be fine? I think for some people it is. Taylor Swift is a massive pop star now. But the roots of her fame, I mean, her career began in Nashville. It began in the country music industry. And that industry is still really conservative, and so is a ton of that fan base. And it's a really great fan base if somebody feels like you are one of them. Right. They are dug in on you. They are yeah. die hard. But, I mean, look at the Dixie Chicks. And in, like, her documentary, Miss Americana, they're always just like, Taylor, don't be like the Dixie Chicks. Don't be like the Dixie Chicks. Right. And then yeah. you have the only female country artist to ever come out is Shelly Wright, who was 10% maybe as famous at her peak as Taylor is now. And she stuck to a three-year coming out plan. 
And still, Nashville froze her out after that. I think it's actually really interesting that we're having this conversation right now, sort of in the wake of Billie Eilish coming out, which is to say Billie Eilish and what she has said in interviews since, you know, quote, she came out is she was like, I didn't I didn't know I was coming out. I thought I was already out. I, I thought, like, <laughs> wasn't it obvious? But for whatever reason, she felt like she was dropping hints. But if you go back a couple of years, Lil Nas X, when he came out, he was like, I want y'all to listen to Closure really carefully. And then he screen grabs a still from the video with rainbows and stuff. And he was just like, y'all, I thought I made it obvious. Again, it's these people who were like, I yes, you think I'm coming out right now, but like I was kind of out all right. along. And so I kind of think that what she's doing is she's saying one thing to like the broad swath of America and like her straight fans who were like just dug in on Taylor is straight, guys. Mm. Back off. She loves guys. She loves guys so hard. She's dating Travis Kelsey right now. Okay, so imagine a world where she is completely out of the closet. Like, paint a picture of that. I mean, I think it would be so great for the queer community. And I'm not saying that I think she... I think she thinks of herself as out to the people who can see it and to her friends. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably the safest way to be out. But I know, like, I mean, right now there is no bigger artist than Taylor Swift. Yeah. I mean, first of all, America, right. not all parts of America right. are cool with being gay. And then there are lots of countries out there that are also, like, right. really anti-gay. And then the problem is that if she comes out, she takes all these people down with her. Like, What do you mean? Like, anybody she's dated in the past, right. things are going to come out about them. Yes. It's a really sort of treacherous territory. If I were Taylor, or maybe it's better to say, if I were Tree Pain and and orchestrating orchestrating Taylor's coming out, I think what I would do is a couple years down the road, if she's dating somebody, just have her sort of be like, yeah, I'm dating this person. And like, who needs labels? Again, like a sort of Billie Eilish, like, you know, like, oh, like, sorry, sorry, I didn't come out in the way that you expected. Yeah, sorry you didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, and you play it nonchalant. All right. Thank you so much, Larison Campbell, for sharing your opinions on Taylor Swift and, uh, well, I should say, Gaylor with us. It will remain a mystery. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I had a great time. This is Infamous from Campside Media. Whether or not Taylor Swift is straight, she is dating a football player named Travis Kelsey, a man whose name, I must admit, I never heard before he started sharing headlines with Taylor Swift. I really don't follow football. And I was sort of ashamed to find out that he was such a big cultural figure he'd hosted SNL. That is how out of the conversation I was. So I talked to somebody who knows a lot about him. Nicole Boyce is a writer and a comedian and the host of the podcast Owned, which is about sports and team owners. Okay, so who is he? So, yeah, he's a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Which Uh, means, like, he's He's kind of like a utility player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it means he's the sexiest of all. No, he's not. (laughs) He's he's, kind of like he's big enough to, like, kind of push people around, but he's also, Mm -hmm. you know, like... S- s- snaky enough to kind of weave in and out of uh, 
catch the ball. But he's not ball. a superstar then. He's not like well, Mr. Quarterback. He's not. He is, a, I would say, a fan favorite. He's got a cute little mustache that got I think it. bodes yeah. well. He's got mm-hmm. a podcast. So he's, yes. uh, and Even pre-Taylor Swift, this podcast was a thing. Yeah, because he has a brother and they've made headlines because they played the Super Bowl against each other. He you know, won the Super Bowl. So I think mm-hmm. that that's made him a, an appealing. Yeah. So he's on some sort of $10 million a year contract with Kansas City or what does a guy like that get paid? Well, yeah, more money than I know, like than I can fathom in oh, my head. Yeah, currently million. in a four-year, fifty-seven million, million, same amount she probably makes uh, two nights at a uh, <laughs> in oh Sao Paulo. <laughs> Jesus, I know she's supporting like the GDP of the country at this point. But... Yeah, but the I think the thing that's the is he sought her out is the difference. Okay, and because he was a fan before, he made a bracelet that like had his phone number on it, like one of the the, the, the friendship bracelets, and allegedly got it to her. So I think the pursuit of her was the appealing thing. I and... see versus her. Like, what, do you think she, like, pursues people a lot still? You know, it's hard to say, you know. She was she was with Joe Alwyn, you know, a right. British, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. kind of the opposite, I would say, the anti. You mean very reserved. And very quiet. Like, yeah, right. Artsy. British, kind of the just opposite of everything, yeah. football. And mm. now I feel like they're kind of a modern day, like, Victoria <laughs> Beckham, kind of, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. I will say it's the first, it's incredible, and the first time in my life I've ever been able to talk football with my Taylor Swift friends and then Taylor Swift with my football <laughs> friends. So it's a huge win so a for me personally. First she was like country to pop. Now she's just everything to football, America to America, America she's to now, America. She's now, I feel like, just like as like Coca-Cola. I feel like it combines the two biggest things in American culture. It's like mm. pop, like uh, celebrity, and then also like sports. It's like right. it. If you are a conspiracy theorist that thinks that they were made in a lab to sell albums or mm-hmm. or Kansas mean, City Chief tickets, oh, the two of them, yeah, <laughs> like, oh, that 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 it's all a fa- it, it's it all works a fraud, well, right? yeah, and like, but she ran after him and kissed him, and it was just such a spontaneous moment. Oh yeah, no, I mean, look, I <laughs> the ang- I've watched thirty angles of that exact, you know, her running up to him. I think it was very real. I don't think it's. Was right. orchestrated. The amount of pictures, like the fact that I can watch them kiss from 40 angles every <laughs> night, as I often do. <laughs> it, it, that, I, and like, there's like, what, six pictures of her with the guy that she was with for like seven years before this, you know? Like, <laughs> everybody's like, I don't care about that guy. What is he British? It doesn't matter. I know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so is this, is this um, helping the NFL's revenues? I think so, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Because they are capitalizing on it like crazy what are they doing the first time she was at the game well first they tossed to her like after every time he catches like a touchdown or anything like that flash into her up in the box seats every chance they can they like change their like twitter banner to be like (laughs) nfl taylor's version you know like it's very (laughs) the nfl loves this yeah it is like and so nobody knows when she's going to be there and when she's not? Um. Well, you can track her tour dates. So you can oh, kind of okay. see. So right now, you know, she's she's off in like Brazil. So she wasn't at the last game. And, and also, I think, important thing to note is that his performance seems to kind of be dependent on whether she's at oh, the games or not. Because really? He seems to. The numbers indicate that he performs better when she's. <laughs> 
at the stadium watching him. He needs his girlfriend there for yeah. his emotion. He's she's his emotional support blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I think I would do anything better if Taylor it, Swift sure. was watching. Yeah, she's an inspirational figure, right? She inspires us all to be our best. Exactly. But the. Uh, I mean, our, what's the crossover between? You said there wasn't crossover between Taylor Swift and football fans, but I almost think, to me, I'm like, well, they're both so mainstream like they're really mainstream passions right yeah i imagine that it has helped numerous straight couples just like have things to talk about at dinner and it, like <laughs> maybe is keeping marriages or <laughs> relationships together because when it, when it first started happening i remember there's all these twitter threads that were uh like Swifties explaining to other Swifties like NFL things right. and they were like okay so a touchdown is kind of like a big sleigh and, <laughs> <laughs> and like things like that there's a lot of Taylor Swift fans who are now having to learn about football and are like <laughs> invested in like the Chiefs uh, right. uh, yeah if they're, if they're if the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl I think the amount of fans that will be there that will just be like Taylor Swift fans will be insane. Yeah. But I think it's worth noting that Taylor Swift hasn't performed at the Super Bowl halftime show. Ooh. And so I think the NFL, if they play this right, you know, they're maybe trying to lure her in in the 100%. long term. 100%. Yeah. So Travis, like, where's he from? He played college football for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Oh, my God. He was born in 1989. Exactly. Same as her. Yeah, has been with the Kansas City Chiefs since 2013, two Super Bowl champions, and he, like, breaks, I think, a pretty good amount of records, I would say. Like, he's very, he's good. He's, like, Mm -hmm. good at playing. And I think he is one of the more popular culture-friendly players, like I said, with the podcast, his brother, that kind of thing. So do you feel like this is a relationship for the ages, or... I think so. I think I think it's <laughs> You're gonna... looking so deadly serious at <laughs> me like... right now. <laughs> yes. I think well, I think it's like I mean it's like everybody a... must believe. I think the way they've risen each other stars, the right. way that it's like she didn't need any help. Come on. Yeah, Maybe a little but... in that era. Okay, it's like a new fan base that she hadn't accessed as much. That's yeah, the... and I think also just like as far like like paparazzi pictures, you know, right. like I I feel like a lot of celebrities are in like figish relationships because it's more interesting to like have a paparazzi picture of two people, yeah. you know, versus one person. So I think yeah, just yeah, naturally yeah. it just doubles right conversation. Sure, you sure, know, sure. And everybody I, loves a power couple. What's his personality? Do we know anything about him? Yeah, he's I would say Goofy's kind of the main thing. Mm-hmm. And when people oh, were di- works for were digging up their old, his mm-hmm. old tweets and they like couldn't find you know any slurs or anything, but they found <laughs> like him like like he mentions like naps like thirty times. He's like taking a nap. <laughs> Off to another nap. Naps are crazy because <laughs> then you are not tired when you wake up. You know, like literally. And then he's like talking to squirrels. He's like, just hung out with the squirrel. Gonna go take a nap. You know, I think he's she's teaching him a lot. Uh, vocabulary wise, at least. Uh, yeah, about cats. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Love poems and yeah. things like that. All right. I mean, you know, let's all raise a glass. What? How can you not root for this? I, yeah, yeah. This is Infamous from Campside Media. 
We haven't talked to too many of Taylor's big fans yet in this podcast, so we called up Kala Matala. He's a writer from Finland who lives in the U.S., and he is a major Swifty. What most people don't know is how much Taylor does for her fans. On social media, for example, she knows people's names, faces, favorite things. And she does all of this quietly. So it's it's been playfully coined as Taylorking. Kala's been to a bunch of Taylor's concerts. His Spotify account told him that he's a top 0.1% fan. And one of his favorite things about his old West Village apartment was that it was right near Cornelia Street. I rent a place on Cornelia Street. I sit casually in the car. Where Taylor Swift used to live. A few years ago during the pandemic, I decided to start a secret Taylor Swift fan account on Twitter just to make, you know, inside jokes with other Swifties and keep up with all the latest chatter. And I only have like maybe 2,000 or so followers on there and not much engagement. At the time, Kala was holed up in his studio apartment, feeling isolated and hopeless as the city shut down. Until... Out of nowhere... I got a DM from Taylor's team. This DM was basically Kala's dream come true. He was the object of Taylor Swift's Taylorking, or at least his anonymous secret Swifty account was. It was just absolutely crazy to me because back then we were all fighting for Eras tour tickets and it was like full on warfare. They invited me to see Taylor present her short film and play the 10-minute version of All Too Well live at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York. And here I was, just like getting an invite out of nowhere to a private event by like the biggest star in the world. Taylor Swift just has a way of making everyone feel seen. And she makes her fans feel seen too, even when she's not Taylor-ing. Do you have like her number? I don't have her number, no. So that's my 12-year-old daughter's friend. I'll call her Nikki, and she's a big Swifty. We were all in the car driving to a wedding, and I mentioned that I'd interviewed Taylor Swift for Rolling Stone before Nikki was even born. I Wait, just like an autograph or like an autograph picture you wish I had? Anything. Just anything she touched. Yeah, like anything. Like, like a piece of her hair. Like you don't understand. <laughs> what do like, you like I, about her so much? There was like a period of time last year where like, like all my friends, would, like all these girls who like I wanted to be friends with, would, like hang out. And, like I would never be invited. And I would just sit at home on the weekends, and all I would do is like listen to Taylor Swift. Why didn't they invite you? Because people are mean, mother. They're really mean. Nikki's experience was exactly like Taylor's when all of Taylor's friends went to the mall without her. And really, who among us hasn't been slighted or betrayed or unceremoniously dumped by a friend? In those moments, Taylor is there for her fans. And her fans are definitely there for her. Taylor knows who the real ones are. I think it's just a very special relationship. And her fans are, of course, incredibly devoted to her, pouring over news about everything she does, everything she wears, every place she goes. 
and they want to do those things too. So when Taylor visited New York recently and met a lot of friends at a lot of different restaurants, everybody freaked out. There were articles about all the restaurants she went to in Vogue, Page Six, The Daily Beast, and a whole bunch of food magazines. But only one journalist actually went as far as visiting the restaurants Taylor Swift went to and hounding the waitstaff for details about the pop queen's dining escapades. That journalist is Rachel Handler. She's a writer at New York Magazine, and her article about Taylor Swift went viral. Vanessa talked to her. So tell me how you got this assignment or if you pitched it or like what happened here? So I pitched it. um, Well, so this is during the actor strike. And so, you know, I usually write about culture and movies specifically. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, the the coffers were a little dry. And so I was like, okay, what's something like funny and weird that I can do? Um, Some of my favorite things that I that I get to write are when I just get to sort of go to a scene and talk to people who are not famous. Um, because they're a lot more fun and interesting usually. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> they don't have publicists like hovering around telling you your yeah. two minutes are up. Yeah. Exactly. It's just for me, it's just like a lot more fun. And so I, I'm always trying to sort of brainstorm ways that I can just kind of go out into the world and talk to people. And, you know, it was right in the middle of Taylor Swift's like deluge of uh, restaurant dates in New York. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm really curious, like both what drives her to do this because she's so famous that she doesn't need to like she could have any experience recreated for her in a private way and she doesn't have to be out in public like this right and I so and I'm also curious you know what it's like at those restaurants what it's like for the servers and the hostesses and the bartenders and so I just kind of went on a little Taylor Swift journey and tried to recreate her her experiences and talk to people. So, okay, let me just read the first paragraph, which is genius. Taylor Swift <laughs> does not need to go out to dinner. Going out to dinner is a bourgeois construct that has no obvious draw for her. Civilians with expendable cash go out to dinner to break up the monotony of being alive. Celebrities go out to dinner to be photographed so that these cash flush civilians remember they exist. Taylor Swift is neither civilian nor run-of-the-mill celebrity. I mean, this could not be more true, right? She's at the height of her fame, and she's going, and she's not going to, like, any old restaurant. She's going to the sceniest restaurants, the restaurants that you go to if you're an extremely rich tourist in New York, exactly. right? She goes to Zero Bond. She goes to Phuket. She goes to, okay, Temple Bar. She knows she's going to be photographed. Right. She doesn't right. seem to care. Yeah. And I think I was inter- what was interesting to me, too, was like, you know, some people are like, well, obviously she calls the paparazzi and she wants to be photographed. And, you know, I think that's sort of the the party line on celebrities that, is that they're doing these pap walks on purpose. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, no, when I, when not, not with somebody this big. Yeah, I think they genuinely I mean, I know for a fact that they sit outside of her apartment and follow her wherever she mm-hmm. goes. I don't think she needs to call the paparazzi. Right. So what do you do? So then you say, okay, I'm going to do this story. And then you get like a huge budget, I guess, to go out to all these restaurants and just be a spy? No, I did not get a huge budget. <laughs> That's That was one of the constraints that the piece. So um, you'll see that I had a $75 per diem, which gets you nowhere at these restaurants. Um, <laughs> I ended up spending a lot of my own money. <laughs> oh, no. Well, at least you got a viral story out of it. Yeah, it's hard to spend $75. I mean, at one place, I think I got an app and a drink and I hit the limit. And then, you know, if I wanted to go with anyone, it was never $75. It was, I, I took a friend, I took my my partner, and like it was always over $100. Yeah, these are the 
the most like uh, well-known and overpriced restaurants exactly. in New York City, which means in the entire country, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. So it was difficult to hit that. And, and it was kind of fun to work within those confines too. Like, okay, I got to be a little bit, you know, creative. Right. So, okay. So you go to one restaurant uh, you order insalata verde, some meatballs, and the fish, which comes to $111. You try to talk to somebody, and they say, well, maybe I'll just see if a server or manager who was here when she came in wants to talk about it, and nobody nobody comes to talk to you. So you go to Il Buco, a very nice Italian restaurant, and there's a lovely server there who says he is a Swifty. He was so excited and it was so sweet. Um, and he was just genuinely delighted by the whole thing. And I think a lot of people in in New York are jaded about that kind of thing. So it was really, really refreshing that he was just so openly excited. So what did he tell you? He just told me a bunch of like really, I think what most people would consider inane, but I considered fascinating details <laughs> of, you know, yeah. who paid check and Laura Dern tried to pay, but Taylor's bodyguards had already paid. And I asked about if she fed her bodyguards when they went out. He's like, yeah, they had their own dinner at the bar. And, you know, they, whenever anyone in the room tried to take a picture of her, they would, they would go up to them and make them delete it. And he told me this anecdote about how she was like, not complaining, but kind of remarking on the noise coming from upstairs from a party. And he, <laughs> and he was like, well, aren't your concerts loud? He said she was really beautiful. He said he accidentally took her wine away too soon before she was done at one point, just like very, sort of incredibly um, small, but in my mind, interesting details about what it's like to be her server, especially as a fan. So she was there with Laura Dern and who else? And Zoe Kravitz and um, Greta Gerwig, quite randomly. And so what did what did they have to eat? I guess he he curated the menu for them and made, just gave them a bunch of stuff. Oh, my God. Well, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would expect no less. Um, OK, so what did Emilio of Emilia's Bellato, which is a restaurant I quite like, what did he tell you? So Emilio was a, a hard sell. He did not want to tell me anything. Um, <laughs> I, my server was very sweet and he didn't want to say anything. So he directed me to Emilio, the elder Emilio, not the younger one. Got it. Um, and both Emilio's were uh, pretty rude <laughs> to me. Okay. Um, and and the his wife, Emilio's wife, yelled at me and my friend in a way that we thought initially was a joke because we we were trying to make a screening, and so we wait. The line was very long, and we ended up only being able to sit down for like forty minutes. So we just ordered some appetizers and some drinks, mm -hmm. and ate them really fast. And she came up to our table, and she was like you lied to my husband when you said the food was good. All you ordered was vegetables. And we were like, oh, like, haha. You know, we thought we were having a sort of surprise <laughs> moment when oh we were all God. drinking. No, she was dead serious. Uh, she was really upset with us. And she was like, I, I can't, I'll never understand your generation, which was very funny. I was like, does she think we're Gen Z? Because that's incredible. After the piece came out, a couple of people who I don't know DM'd me and emailed me and they were like, she's like the meanest woman <laughs> in Manhattan. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't personal. I guess she's so, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, but then he says like sort of an unforgettable line to you. What does he say? He said, she eats, she pays, she gets the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> and then did he like turn on his heel and leave? That is like the strangest no, he, thing to say. He was sitting outside with a bunch of other older Italian men. They were all smoking and uh, sort of eyeing me uh, suspiciously and <laughs> They did not want to chat. I would say each each restaurant I had a very different experience with with the staff, and that one was the most sort of uh, intense. <laughs> and so, at the end of the journey, you finally find yourself face to face with Taylor. 
So how did that happen? (laughs) Well, I can't reveal too much. Okay. um, But a friend of mine had invited me to a restaurant for uh, reasons earlier in the week, separate from the story, not knowing I'd been working on the story. And I had a hunch uh, that Taylor would be there. I just had a feeling. So I went and I was correct. She was there. Mm. So it wasn't like I was going to see her or stalking her or anything like that. It's just, I was already going and I had a feeling she was going to be there as well. And she was. Um, And so I approached her and she was incredibly (laughs) beautiful. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So you see her from across the room. What was she doing? She was chatting, sipping a Cosmo and standing with Travis and- and he's huge. He's massive. He's a massive man for sure. <laughs> and she was just like, people were approaching her and she was talking to them. And so I kind of felt like her bodyguards were definitely around, but no one was being sort of rejected. And mm. the vibe was very uh, sort of convivial. So I I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And I went over and I just approached her and um, said, hi. I didn't tell her I was working on the story because I felt like that was sort of Difficult to you should have said it. You should have said it. Oh my god. Why didn't you say why do you go out to restaurants, Taylor? You could have a private chef make whatever you want. I I did honestly I did think about it, but it it just felt like difficult, both difficult to explain in the short time that I knew I would have with her attention. And um also like kind of insane, you know, like (laughs) I'm am I gonna approach this woman and be like, I've been, you know, retracing your steps all over New York City all week. Like nice to meet you. I don't know. I maybe maybe I should have done that, but it was kind of spur of the moment and like I don't know, I didn't And so she was very gracious. She was really gracious, really sweet. We talked for like 30 seconds and, you know, then she was on to the next and she's very good at, uh, you know, making it seem like she does not not want to be speaking with you. You know what I mean? She conveys like actual interest and enthusiasm in a way that doesn't feel fake. She seems almost unreal as an as an icon and as a celebrity and the idea that she's just waltzing into these New York restaurants and and not being completely overwhelmed with people is is really interesting to me. I mean, good on New Yorkers yeah. for behaving themselves. Vanessa, like, what do you actually think about Taylor Swift? Um, I have to say, after this whole journey, I really like her <laughs> much more than I did before. I liked her early songs a lot. Then I thought she turned a little bit into, as one critic called her, like a cyborg with feelings. Like I, I didn't <laughs> like some of the later stuff. But now I have like I really have a lot of respect for what she stands for in the world. And I'm into her. Next time on Infamous. What would you do if you were a wayward teen and you knew that Paris Hilton left her key under the doormat? We'll get into the story of the bling ring. But going up to Paris Hilton's home, I felt like my heart was going to combust out of me. Me and Nick were like, okay, does your heart feel like it's about to pop out of its chest? Because mine does too. Infamous is a production of Sony Music Entertainment and Campside Media. It's executive produced by Vanessa Gregoriadis and Natalie Robamed. Shoshi Shmulevitz is our managing producer and editor. We're produced by Lily Houston-Smith and associate produced by Julia Case Levine. Amber Devereaux sound designed these episodes, and they were recorded by Ewen Lai Tremuen. 
Some of this reporting appeared in Rolling Stone magazine. If you enjoyed Infamous, please spread the word and tell a friend. 